Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara, your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. Do you want to become sexually powerful? If the answer is yes, go to lovebites.co and check out 30 Days to My Best Sexy Self, a sexual mindfulness journal. This ebook will change your life. In this sexual mindfulness journal, I offer the tried and true methods to become more sexually confident. It's for everyone who wants to have the best sex life possible. Hello, my loves, and welcome to my first segment called In Bed with Dr. Tara, where I answer your questions directly. These questions are from my website. So if you have questions for me, feel free to go to my website, lovebites.co, and click ask. All right, so today the first question is from Kelly. Kelly said, I have never had anal sex, but my partner really wants to do it with me. I'm scared that it will hurt. Any tips about how to make this experience pleasant and any tips or recommendation would be greatly appreciated. Oh, Kelly, we've all been there the first time trying anal. I have to admit to you, my first time trying anal was not a great experience and it hurt for me so i hope that it doesn't happen to you so here are the tips to make it more pleasant first never ever ever believe anyone who say they just use spit (laughs) okay definitely use a lot of lube a lot of lube will help that entrance part and then also the inside it feels basically just more pleasant in my experience. Using a lot of lube is key. Actually, before we even get there, make sure that you feel super turned on by your partner. It helps loosen up the whole area down there. Make sure there's a lot of foreplay, a lot of kissing. And you know what helps is your partner eating you out. Maybe they lick your pussy and then fingering you and then kind of start massaging your butthole. Maybe they even eat your ass too. And then try the lube and then try have them put in a finger first one finger another tip actually this is something that i do is i use a small butt plug to get myself comfortable having something in my butt basically so i would use like a small butt plug again bathe with lube i'd use a small butt plug sometimes when i have penetrative sex with my partner basically having double penetration I get a little bit more comfortable and get used to it from there. So I hope that helps, Kelly. Let me know how it goes. Cuckolding has been a hot topic recently, and I always like to hear opinions from experts who are for or against something. So today we'll hear more about why a therapist doesn't think cuckolding is such a good idea. Hello, my loves. It's Dr. Tara. Welcome to Love Bites, the podcast for sexual wellness and exploration. Today with us is Josh Hudson, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist who has spent thousands of hours helping men save their marriages. 
Josh scoured the world, learning from the best mentors and masters of behavioral change. He has accumulated the most efficient practices into a modality that helps turn around marriages that are on the brink of divorce. Very interesting. I need to probe more about that. His new modality has been sought out by top experts and news experts to educate on how to save marriages and how to thrive in a modern marriage by helping men become masculine leaders in their relationships. Man, all kinds of keywords. Hi, Josh. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming me onto the show. Yes, I'm really excited. Before we go into cuckolding questions, I want to learn more about your therapy philosophy. Your modality and your focus is helping men become masculine leaders in their yes. relationships. Oh, what yeah. does that mean? Yeah, there's like a, I hate using this term, like a pandemic or of men that just have become complacent. There's that famous quote that goes around that strong times create weak men, weak men create bad times, bad times create strong men. And it's like that cycle. And right now we've had really good times. So now that it's created a lot of weak, complacent men. And a lot of men in these marriages, they are just kind of going along with the status quo. They're kind of being mediocre. They're not striving for more. And it's leading to things like depression and isolation, lack of connection. And yeah, we've been kind of weakened by a lot of these advances in technology and other things. At least that's what I see in the landscape of men today. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's such an interesting and very strong Strong word choice. What does a weak man look like? Yeah. So I think that I never really even asked that, but I, let's, let's define it. I think a guy who doesn't have a purpose in life is constantly searching for on a neurological level, just dopamine throughout the day, whether just on social media all day, watching TV for hours, eating junk food, always going for something that feels good, mm -hmm. right? Instead of pushing himself toward pain and growth, because pain and growth are kind of synonymous up to a degree. Mm -hmm. A lot of men are just seeking comfort more than ever. And in this day and age, it's so easy to get it, right? If you lack purpose and you spend all day with distractions. I've worked with a lot of military men, like they can go get shot at, but like the idea of approaching a woman and getting rejected is more terrifying to them. And so <laughs> when it comes to actually talking to a woman and courting her and facing rejection, men rather just a couple clicks of the mouse and then thousands of women in front of them. So that's what they rather do. Do you feel like porn, is it all bad or do you feel like there's benefits to porn? Uh, yeah, I don't like to take a stance of bad and good. It's just let's look at consequences and actions. Right. Porn does activate a lot of the same neural pathways as other drugs do, right? The VTA to nucleus accumbens and it releases a lot of dopamine. And then when we are done watching porn, the cortisol increases and the lactin and the consequences are men tend to be less motivated. The shame increases a lot because there's the sensitization where they need to watch more and more novel porn, which leads to some dark, dark areas. And then once they watch it, they're like, why am I into that stuff? They mm -hmm. judge themselves. People tend to isolate more than when they watch porn. Studies will show that they're more socially isolated and they kind of feed off each other. Social isolated people also watch more porn. So those are consequences. And if you don't like those consequences, then maybe it's not a good idea. Right. But there are millions of men who can watch porn and it doesn't affect them negatively. Just right. kind of like alcohol. There's and they're a lot fine. of social I can have a drinkers. Whiskey. Right. Yeah. And then some people want a bit alcohol. Bye-bye. Off the deep end yeah. There. So I'm hearing that moderation is an important factor in porn viewing, as well as being more aware of yourself. Yeah. Are you going into a negative loop? Lower self-esteem, more isolation, lower self-esteem, more isolation. Yeah. Let's talk about cuckolding. My team and I have seen a couple of your videos and we were really interested in the position that you've taken. And I think that it's a fruitful conversation to have. So cuckolding, why do you think it's a bad idea? I think from the research I've had and the hundreds of men who talk to me about this specific issue, and we really dive deep into why they're into it, there's always a sense of inferiority. 
the idea of watching someone else more capable, because usually that's what it, that's what it is, more capable, give pleasure to someone that you're emotionally connected to. It generally stems from a place of them not feeling good enough. Your ego is almost like creating like, yeah, this should be happening. This pain should be happening because I'm not good enough as a person, right? I can't give enough pleasure to the person I'm with. So let someone else do that. So it generally stems from a pretty dark place from what I've seen personally, anecdotally <laughs> from the clients I work with. Usually if we do something that's just poking this wound that we have stemming from trauma somewhere in childhood, it tends to not be a good thing generally. Uh-huh. I would love to hear someone who's pro and to hear their argument because I don't know what the pro arguments are, to be honest. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have another episode that would be on the pros. So it's okay. definitely a good yeah month of just exploring the topic. Now, can it just be for fun? <laughs> I mean, for some people, murdering people is fun. I mean, I know I'm making an extreme <laughs> example to prove the point, but anything could be fun for the person, but doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> Doing heroin could be fun for a lot of people too. What you if know, the it... couple is like, wow, sounds like a fun and exciting idea. Is there a possibility <laughs> that it comes from a positive space? What do you I think? think I think people are mixing up swinging and like cuckolding, exchanging partners. And you're like, oh, my person's getting pleasure from someone else. I'm getting pleasure from someone. There's like an equal exchange there, mm. which even I would argue can probably, we could, that's a whole other topic because uh -huh. that could be stemmed from a bad place too. But cuckolding, the idea that I see and know of it is like you're observing someone more capable than you mm -hmm. pleasure your partner. And I know there's a lot of degrading towards the person. People tell me that in these porn scenes, the guy observing is say he's like awful and like spit on yeah. or just like degrading. Or like your cock is so tiny. You yeah. can't pleasure me. You're a little bitch. Okay, there you go. I mean, <laughs> you've heard the counter arguments. I would love to hear them and then I can uh -huh. see what they are and I would love to debate those. Ooh, an interesting concept and practice that has been a little bit more popular is a woman cock. So in a heterosexual relationship, let's say I'm the woman and I want to sit and watch my husband fuck another woman. What do you think about that then? Do the dynamics change now that it's different gender? I didn't even know that existed because yeah. I, thought, I thought like all cocoa porn was the man. I never, yeah. I never, I don't watch porn. So, but <laughs> all right. So my theory, and it's kind of controversial, <clears throat> I think that the ego wants to have control right? And when trauma happens in our life, it wants to go about recreating similar scenarios, but have control over the trauma. As an example, pretty much 100% of the men that are into cocoa porn, they were cheated on in an early relationship. Mm. Is this a survey? These are just the men I've worked, personally worked uh -huh. with over the years, doing okay. this for 10 years, 100% have all been cheated on. They're recreating the trauma with a the person they love, but this time they have control over it. Now, here's the controversial part is that a majority of women are really into BDSM. And also a lot of women have been sexually abused and assaulted. And so going along with this theory, it could be stated that when a woman who's in the BDSM or being tied up or, you know, against her will, that she's doing that with someone she trusts because it's almost mm -hmm. cathartic for her to do it versus the trauma she had with someone else earlier on, mm -hmm. right? So the sexual domain is a way to kind of create a catharsis or a healing around mm -hmm. trauma in the sexual arena. I think that was cuckolding. These men are trying to have control over their trauma. But what I found is that if they heal that trauma and they have a different position and a perspective on it, and they kind of let go and forgive the people mm -hmm. in the scenario of the trauma, that sexual appetite changes. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So like, let's say in a couple of cases for the men you've worked with, once they feel more healed from their trauma, what does that sexual appetite change to? When they have sex, it's less about objects and fetishes, and it's more about intimate physical connection. They lean towards more just passionate, intimate eye contact, lovemaking, mm -hmm. if you will. There's still some raw, you know, fucking and everything. They're less drawn to like the novelty, right, aspect mm -hmm. of, of porn and sex. Ooh, okay. So now that you're talking more about porn, I saw your other video about porn addiction. So what's the relationship between cuckolding fantasy and porn addiction? 
There's a lot of studies showing that a child or a kid, and I say child because a majority of the men that would reach out to me over Instagram or email is like 12, 13 years old. These kids are struggling with porn. They start young, right? Because it's so 12 easy years to, old. Yeah, it's pretty sad that kids are watching it this young and they can't stop watching it. But what happens is that desensitization occurs. The first naked photo they see of a girl, it's like, oh my God, I'm so aroused. Now videos and multiple tabs, and they got to go darker and darker and darker. And so I see cuckolding is just like another domain of something they haven't explored yet. This increase in fetishism, it just, it leads to a lot of shame and that shame just and it kind of increases the isolation. And when people are isolated, they get more stressed out. The way they cope with that stress is going back to porn is a vicious cycle that just kind mm. of occurs over and over. It sounds like there's some people that would watch porn like once a week or once a month and they pop that up sometimes when they masturbate or maybe them and their partners want to try something new, watch fingering techniques, they will watch porn. Are you someone who's absolutely no porn or are you more no, like if it was educational porn or if it's purposeful usage of porn, that's a different scenario or you think all porn's just bad? No, I was talking to Sterling Cooper about this on a podcast. The umbrella of porn encompasses illegal stuff, mm -hmm. all the dark, dark, dark corners of the web. To Very like, scary. Yeah, to like educational. So like when you say the word porn, it encompasses all of that. So of mm -hmm. course, I don't think all of it is quote unquote bad. It depends on the consequences. Mm -hmm. If it improves your sexual relationship with your partner, go for it. How do you feel about pegging? I have a friend who uh, wants to find a guy that she can do that with. <laughs> yes. It's like a running joke in our friend group. And she's like always <laughs> looking for a guy. And Her first <laughs> sentence on Tinder is like, are you into pegging? Do you want to be pegged? I mean, yes or no? It's the first <laughs> thing she asked. No. Screening question. <laughs> Seriously, she's hilarious. Yeah. But that being said, I really do believe to each their own. I just say everything that you're exploring, like ask yourself where it's coming from and how you feel after it's done. Mm -hmm. A lot of these guys that were into cuckolding, the ones I worked with, after they watched the porn or after a couple did experiment with role plays of like them acting like a different guy when they were having sex with their partner, they mm. felt horrible after. Mm. I had one man, for example, okay? He wanted the role play with his girlfriend about this. Basically, the role play was that he would leave, right, mm -hmm. out of town for a weekend, and a mechanic would come over to fix her sink or something. Mm -hmm. She was saying his name, my boyfriend, Derek, he's not home right now. And then she basically gave in. And what happened? I swear to God, he said that, when, it, when they were going into it, he was shaking uh -huh. like this. He was saying it was cold and it wasn't cold at all. And his body was having a traumatic response. Mm. And so for him personally, exploring down this route, even with a woman he felt safe with, thought of her cheating on him with another man, gave him a traumatic response. So you can try it out. Like to each their own. <laughs> but all I'm saying is ask yourself how you feel after it's done or you explore mm -hmm. that idea. If you feel good about it, great. And if you all of a sudden start to think that now she's going to go do it with other people behind your back, probably not a good idea. You might want to look inward and try to heal where that's coming from. Mm. Now, have you heard of this concept? It's not like traditional cuckolding. Watching your partner have sex with someone else while you direct them. Okay, so there's even more control over the over the trauma. That you say, okay, now you put your cock in her pussy, or like, mm -hmm. okay, now lick her right nipple. The cock is directing the scenario. What do you think about that? <clears throat> Before I answer that question, have you interviewed someone who's in the cuckolding on your show? Yeah, like personally. Okay, <laughs> interesting, interesting. Yeah, I'd love to talk to them. But anyways, I love like I love a full spectrum yeah, of I things. Love, right? I love that. You yeah, got, it's you're so get fun. Like a, brushstroke of every perspective yeah. on this thing. Yeah, absolutely. That really validates my original opinion about the whole catharsis thing. If they have trauma, it's like they're even wanting more control over the trauma. Okay. So what if it's healing? Are you saying like there are other ways to heal yourself? <laughs> yes. 
I haven't personally found someone that, yes, like doing cuckolding with this person I love and trust and having control over it has been healing. There's a perverse satisfaction. It's almost like this. Yeah, uh, like a gratification. Yeah. yeah. The ego is saying, I know that she's going to eventually do this anyways, because you're afraid that the, the trauma is going to occur again. Because when trauma happens to us, we act and believe in a way that it's going to mm -hmm. happen again. So we, it makes us feel safe. Mm -hmm. Like I was cheated on actually in one mm -hmm. of my first relationships. Mm -hmm. And so my next relationship, I purposely did things subconsciously, right? Mm -hmm. To push her away. We naturally do this as human beings, right? We would just recreate this trauma. When it comes to someone doing that, there might be this perverse satisfaction, but at the end of the mm -hmm. day, I don't think it's coming from a necessarily mentally healthy place. My philosophy is that as human beings, we are supposed to learn and grow and heal mm -hmm. so we can heal others. And I, I just don't think that's aiding that process. <laughs> Interesting. I'm definitely a fan of learning and growing as well. I was in both positions where I was cheated on before and then I also cheated on someone before and I definitely know that it's not a good feeling. It's very dark. It's very hurtful. So there's like research that shows there's sexual humps, humps of sexual desire for each other because it just becomes boring. There's five-year hump and 10-year hump mm -hmm. that research found people tend to struggle yeah, in terms of sure. passion for each other. Yeah. Then my next question would be, <clears throat> let's say if the couple's like, well, we've been hearing about cuckolding, we've seen maybe a porn video and we feel like we want to try. What are other practices that people can attempt instead of exploring cuckolding if you feel like cuckolding comes from an unhealthy place? Esther Perel talks about this a lot with couples. The pulling and pushing and the energy. Yeah. And also yeah. like the sense of, okay, you have to just ask yourself what emotional need is being met through that act. So let's just say it's novelty just for the case mm -hmm. of this argument. If it's novelty, that's some need getting met. Is like, can you have novelty in a different domain? It can still be in the sexual domain if you want, but can you introduce novelty in another way mm -hmm. that doesn't involve another partner? Again, I'm always about doing whatever you feel is best for you guys, but uh -huh. as a couple, anyone listening, but at the same time, ask what need is being met and then ask yourself if you can get that need met in a more healthy way. As an example, you can get out of your mind a lot by drinking a bunch of alcohol uh -huh. or you can meditate. Both uh -huh. get you out of your mind, but one has really detrimental effects and the other one is more positive. When it comes to this need being met, can you get it met in a more healthy way? What would be like, let's say, what would you recommend specifically if someone was like, okay, I want novelty. What are three things that you would say? Okay, try these three things first. Go somewhere else in the world. <laughs> <laughs> travel. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So like, let's say they travel and they're like, ah, oh, I just, we still have this edge of the spark isn't there. What's mm -hmm. next? There is a plethora of role plays you can do mm -hmm. that don't involve other people. There's sex toys you can introduce. And mm -hmm. I mean, if they've done all of that, by all means, kind of tease the idea up a little bit, like try the uh -huh. role play that my client did where he started to have the trauma response. Try it out there. Play it out where it's like you're a different person she's a di or she's a different person. How does that feel? If it mm -hmm. feels good for the both of you, you guys kind of check in afterwards. Let's just now hang out with someone else and we don't have to take it all the way to sex. We can just talk about it with someone else. Then uh -huh. kind of check in with each other. It's like you don't have to just jump into the deep end right yeah. away because you might sink. <laughs> Look, I've, I've had couples who've done this in, in session and they're breaking up marriages because uh -huh. they introduced a third person and then an emotional relationship was created with that third person, even though they said they had boundaries around it because they just jumped in. They didn't explore mm. it slowly. Mm. And so I'm saying, if you're going to do it, go for it, but just take it one step at a time because mm -hmm. it can jeopardize the whole entire relationship where if a betrayal happens, that can cause damage on the whole relationship. And then it's, mm -hmm. it's all gone because you wanted to explore this ephemeral need.
I mean, that's a good point. <laughs> One step at a time. I'm definitely a fan of that, and I think it's definitely a mistake when people randomly and haphazardly have a threesome. And I'm like, well, if it turns out well for you and you had fun and you don't get attached to this other person, great. But what if it does go the other way because you did it haphazardly and now your relationship that you've built this trust and love for the last five years is now in jeopardy because of that one drunken haphazard night. So I definitely feel you on that. Let's say I'm a 30 year old man and I'm here talking to you about all kinds of kinky things that I'm into, and that my girlfriend is like, oh, absolutely not. My girlfriend is super vanilla. What would be your advice for this 30 year old man, Brian? I'm Brian. Brian, you should have checked that in the beginning, man. It's your fault. <laughs> Expand on that. I was being sarcastic. I mean, oh. I don't want to make him feel bad. But I mean, men who are single, you got to like put those not boundaries up, I guess, call them boundaries, right? But mm -hmm. you got to say what you want early on in the relationship. And I, I've seen it so many times, unfortunately, with so many married guys who are in their 50s. And it's like sex with their wife is like not. And I was like, it's never been that way. It's just, not, it's just never been compatible. I'm like, how did you have three kids with this woman? <laughs> and like spent 20 years with her. I get that it does happen. And so I would tell Brian, I'd be like, well, Brian, do you think it's a skill deficit or a motivational deficit with her? Mm -hmm. Is it because she can't do it or she doesn't want? Mm -hmm. Because I believe people can change their behavior. Mm -hmm. Are you kind of like thinking it's just who she is? So you kind of give up because mm -hmm. a lot of men, the way they try to change women is they use a kind of a masculine approach and they're like, they challenge her, right? Instead of like supporting mm -hmm. her and appreciating her and say like, I love that you do this. Oh my God, you're so sexy when you moan or when you, that time and then you like said that different voice. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. that turned me on. Like, you know, they don't- Positive reinforcement. Positive. Yeah. Men, we make each other change by challenge. And they, we right. use that same framework with women and it just makes women feel like that. Like if you want to get a girl to go to the gym, tell her that she looks sexy when she's sweating, right? And it's like, right. instead of like, oh, we got a little bit of like a uh, little fat going right. on over there. And she's like, fuck you. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I would oh, tell that's Brian a just, really good point. I never thought about that, how men challenge each other and it's okay. But in a relationship, that's very negative. Exactly. Yeah. So I would say like, what's your strategy to trying to get her to do this? And we, I kind of analyze that with him. What have you tried so far? And I guarantee most right. men don't know how. So relationships are simultaneously the easiest and hardest things in the world because yeah. they're so easy because it's all about meeting their needs and they're meeting your needs. The difficulty comes up with all the emotions and not people understanding themselves and how to like mm -hmm. directly express their needs, fear of rejection, all those things involved. So I would ask Brian, like, what have you tried so far? And have you been direct? Have you been honest? Have you tried reinforcing or, you know, so I think the strategy is probably off. I think people are capable of changing. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Okay, well, the last segment of my show is called Five Quickies with Dr. Tara. And what that is, is I'm going to give you a word and you just give me a quick response back. Okay. A quickie. Are a you quick. a fan of a quickie? No. <laughs> no, you're a fan of like Tantra, two hour. I, like... I would say somewhere in between. I mean, look, I'm not like strictly all one way or another, but I, I like enjoying it when I'm there. So number one, sex parties. Mm, all for it. <laughs> Number two, favorite sex toy? The wand. Mm. Number three, erectile dysfunction? Porn induced. Number four, your favorite sex position? Doggy. <laughs> <laughs> woof, woof. I mean, followers know this. It's my favorite as well. <laughs> uh, uh. Number five, number one key to having better sex? <sighs> Communication. <laughs> thank you as a yeah. sexual communication professor in college i'm like <laughs> y'all listen all the experts around the world have been validating my job since day one everyone's like communication communication mm -hmm. like you want to try this communication you want to mm -hmm. try that communication number Think two would be that. polarity i think though yeah like i've been listening to different polarity 
figures for a while now because it is not taught in my PhD program. They don't teach polarity, but mm -hmm. it is a very interesting concept. Before we end this talk, how about you talk about it a little bit? Yeah. So the people who don't know the concept of polarity, I first heard about it with David Data, his book with the way of the superior man. And he takes it from like Eastern philosophy, I think like Hinduism, just the idea that there's like masculine and feminine polarity and there are different poles of the magnet, yin and yang. The idea is if you think of a spectrum from, of like, let's say 10 out of 10 is full feminine, zero out of 10 is full masculine, different parts of the spectrum will align with each other, right? Like this, right? Like a two and a seven or, mm -hmm. or a three and a seven, two, yeah, five and a five. And that a lot of men think of making this full circle, a lot of men had become feminized because mm -hmm. a lot of men just had raised by single moms. The father wasn't around. In the school system, it, there's a lot of like feminine teaching, rites and rituals and passages of men. There's no more of that for men, brotherhoods to like make them into men. And so what happens is we get a lot of nice guys and they're very feminized and in the sexual domain. I cringe thinking this, but like, is asking it bad what, to what be nice? How do we define niceness? Well, it right? depends, right? Because you were like, mm -hmm. there are a lot of nice guys. I feel like nice guys are awesome. Okay, when I Maybe use, we define when I use, it differently. I use, yeah, yeah, I think we're arguing over semantics here because when I'm talking about nice, I'm talking about the guy who is like very indirect what he wants. And like, instead of in the sexual domain, hey, do you want me to go down on you? Like, Wishy-washy, can, yeah. can I Can I kiss you? And just him not being dominant, right? Like, this is uh -huh. what I want. I'm going to go for it. And if you could say no, we have consent, but like, I'm still going to go after what I want. And that's uh -huh. sexy. And a lot of men are people pleasers. That's what I say nice. Right? They bend over backwards. They walk in eggshells. They use covert contracts, which is like the idea. If I do this for her and I don't tell her, I expect her to do this for me. They're entitled to things. Covert contracts. Nice it's from the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy. He, uh, Donald Glover talks about it. What's covert contracts? Yeah. So it's this idea. And a lot of men uh, that I work with, the married men, they, they suffer from this a lot. They're thinking to themselves, because I bring home the money, because I take care of the kids, because I clean the house that day and I take her out to anime dinner, she should have sex with me tonight. I'm not mm -hmm. going to tell her. And then when she doesn't have sex with me, I'm going to get upset. And I'm not going to tell her why. An indirect contract they make with their wife about needs without telling them. So it's, if I do this, mm. you should do that. Mm. And nice guys do it all the time. Because like that becomes so transactional. 100%. Very tit for tat. And mm -hmm. it just creates this resentment between yeah. your partner. And yeah, that's like a huge issue that a lot of men that I work with have. Hmm, very interesting. Okay, well, where can my listeners find you? My uh, YouTube channel for helping men in their marriage is Relationship Mastery with Josh Hutz for quitting porn. The YouTube channel is Pinnacle of Man. Okay, awesome. We'll have those links in uh, today's show notes. Cool. Thank you so much, Josh. This is such an interesting conversation. and oh, I fun. really enjoy listening to your perspective. As a therapist, do you see a lot of clients weekly? Are you trying to shift over to content creator? Well, I do the content creation, but I have coaches under me. That, I mean, I do have private clients, oh. but I, I have like a lot of coaches under me that we serve. Ah, uh, and okay. yeah, I do like a lot of group work, but ah. I do see a couple clients who do want to pay my fee. <laughs> yeah. Well, so listeners, if you're interested, definitely I'll have to Josh's channels in the show notes so you can contact Josh. Thank you so much. And yeah, my Love Bites fam, thank you for listening till the end of the episode. Definitely, if you love this episode, share it with your friends, neighbors, brothers, sister, parents, whoever they are. Share it on your Instagram, TikTok, tag me. I love hearing from you. Other than that, have an orgasmic day. Thanks for listening. This was, this was Love Bites. Love Bites by Dr. Tara. Follow Dr. Tara on social media at lovebites.co. Have an orgasmic day.